Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? It's Carol the Coach, and I am Carol Jurgensen Sheets, and uh, we have a board that went a little nuts there, but you know what? It is all good. If there's one thing I've learned, it is not to sweat the small stuff, and to work diligently to just do the best that I can. Um, And, you know, if you've read The Four Agreements, probably one of the best books on self-help and development, you would know that clearly there are four Peruvian um, Indian commandments, if you will, that they live by. And one is just to do your personal best. So you can mess up once in a while, you can make a mistake, you can fail at something, and there's no reason to be so hard on yourself. And many of the addicts that I work with, once they're in recovery, they want to do it perfect. They believe that if they do things perfectly, then it will show everybody that they are really working a program They're really taking things seriously, and yet at the same time, come on, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. Um, Now, I I don't advocate for slips and relapses, but I do know that that is 100% part of the addiction cycle. So when somebody comes in and says, hey, you know, I slipped. I went into my middle circle behavior or my inner circle behavior, Um, we talk about, what to do to get right back on track to get into that outer circle behavior. And for some of you that don't know what I'm even talking about, um, SAA had developed this model by which there were three circles, the outer circle, which uh, are the healthy behaviors, 
the middle circle, which are behaviors that are really a slippery slope. Oftentimes they will trigger uh, bottom-line behaviors, and bottom-line behaviors are your sexually addictive behaviors. So, you know, for some of the people that I work with, masturbation may be a middle circle behavior, and for others it is absolutely an inner circle behavior. It is the thing that will start them into fantasizing, which will take them down a road that um, just has no positive bottom line. So um, this book, The Four Agreements, talks about doing your personal best, never making assumptions, checking out with people how they feel. It helps them to be transparent and helps you to know where you stand. Not taking conflict personally, which is very difficult to do. You know that I've told you I work with so many addicts who really feel like they have um, imparted so many pains and traumas on their loved ones that they absolutely will be a doormat because they feel like they deserve it because they don't know what they can ever do to make up for the pain that they may have caused in the past. And if you are a person that really wants to get healthy, that means you've got to respect yourself too. And that is so very important. So doing your personal best, um, not taking conflict personally, not making assumptions. And the last one is being impeccable with your word, which means you don't gossip, you don't share information you're not supposed to, you don't say nasty things to people, you don't attack, you really think before you speak. So try those four things and see if that doesn't help you to feel as if you really are improving your sense of integrity, which is so much a part of sexual addiction recovery. Now, I got an email this week from a man, let's call him John. That is not his real name. But he said, Carol, I'm a huge, huge fan of the podcast. I particularly love the ones that talk about love addiction. Now, I have to tell you that if you are listening to the show for the first time or if you've kind of scanned the shows I've done in the past, you can either download them directly from Blog Talk Radio, and that is the Internet radio show that you're listening to right now, Sex Help with Carol the Coach, or you can go to iTunes and download every single show I've done for over a year and a half. So John says, I was born into a family where my mother developed cancer soon after I was born. I was not able to bond with her, and I believe that I have developed love addiction from this. She survived but blamed me for the cancer and alternated between idealizing or idolizing and denigrating me. I was neglected and failed to bond with my mother. Well, John, I can understand why you would have failed to bond with her. You know, people that are your support systems do not degrade anybody. And you know, it's not uncommon for somebody that you love, whether it be a brother, a sister, a mother, or a father, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, to perhaps speak harshly to you on occasion. But to blame you for cancer? Come on. You know that mom was having a hard time coping 
and she wasn't able to empathize with you. You said, you know, you were born right after um, she had developed that cancer, and I suspect she was experiencing her own trauma. John says, I was neglected and failed to bond with my mother. She was also depressed and suicidal, and she made me her spouse. I don't think she ever touched me sexually, but many boundaries were crossed. I fantasized that I had perfect mother and childhood, but obviously that came crashing down on me. Well, it's not unusual for kids to completely fantasize what they want and need as opposed to what's before them. So I'm not surprised that that was one of your coping strategies. Now, i got to tell you, for all my listening audience, John is very sophisticated in that he has sought the right help. He's listening to this podcast. He especially enjoys podcasts on love addiction. Um, He has a certified sexual addictions therapist. He goes to individual therapy, and he goes to group. And here's what he says. You know, when I was about seven, I was sexually abused by an older boy. It was very traumatic for me. Um, And as a result, I suffer from sexual addiction. I am a straight man, but I had a period where I acted out with transsexual prostitutes. My therapist says those were attempts to relive the trauma. He called it repetition compulsion. I have stopped these behaviors. Yay, John, because, you know, that's absolutely true. So often in life, when you've been traumatized as a child, you reenact the trauma by compulsively creating situations that on some level repeat the old behaviors. So John has done a great job of stopping that behavior. And as I indicated, he says, I go to a CSAT, a sexual addiction group, and a group for adult survivors of child abuse. I'm reading a lot too, but I just feel awful about myself. I'm depressed and sad and I'm struggling to deal with my love addiction, let alone my sex addiction and depression over the past. John says, I am dying to find the love of my life but every relationship I get in, I just recreate the issues with my mom and end up miserable. More repetition compulsion. Do you have any ideas of how to move past this stuff? Yes, John, I do. And as I promised, um, John would have actually called the show, but he has group uh, on Monday nights. As I promised, I'd tell you what it is, but you're probably not going to like the answer because the answer deals with primarily taking care of yourself. You know, nowhere in this did I see um, any indication that you have a lot of self-care. Now, maybe you do. Maybe you exercise. Maybe you take warm, hot showers. Maybe you um, enjoy reading. Not just the personal development stuff, but the stuff that's lighthearted and takes you away. Maybe you have an entire group of friends that are healthy. But I truly believe when somebody is suffering from love addiction and they didn't get their needs met early on in their childhood, they have to really work hard on that self-care component. And they also 
really have to get used to being alone. And at the same time, I would encourage you, John, to create a family of choice. And by that, I mean that it's imperative that you create some healthy relationships that you can absolutely count on. You know, do you have a friend that you know indubitably has your back? Do you have some female friends that you have platonic relationships with? Is there an older person in your life that has some mothering or fathering qualities? You know, if you can find that with a pastor at church, if you can um, get that from an instructor in school, if you have that in, you know, a boss once removed, maybe obviously it may not be appropriate for you to have that with a boss, but do you know any older, wiser men or women at work that you don't necessarily divulge your whole life to, but that you form a relationship and maybe even practice that service mentality? What can you do for them? My promise to you is if you work on self-care, you get used to being alone, you don't look for that significant other, but instead create a support system filled with a family of choice, you're much more likely to get healthy quicker and create a structure, an infrastructure, so to speak, where you can end up including somebody, a love relationship in your life. You've got a lot of the right tools. There's no doubt about it. You're very wise. And you've got a lot of the right resources with your CSAT therapist and your sexual addiction group and your survivor group. I applaud you a hundredfold for doing all that. And when you really feel like you're moving into that love addiction mode, you know, you didn't say, but I'm assuming that you do, um, you have read um, SLA books and you have gone to love addiction meetings and hopefully you've read Pia Melody's Facing Love Addiction um, and all the resources that are available. For all I know, you may be leading a group because you seem awful wise to me. So that's how you uh, can move past this stuff. It takes a long time. Patrick Carnes says it takes three to five years to retrain the brain, to not light up with the old stuff, but to feel satisfied with the new stuff. And then he encourages people to get a life coach and take their life to the next level, separate from a relationship, so that you find your purpose and your passion. Now, John, I'm a life coach, and I know what that's like to, once somebody is healthy enough, concentrate on what would make them feel fantastic, what would make them feel like they are making a difference in their life. And let's face it, that's what 12-step groups are all about. When you get to that 12-step and you're servicing um, and and helping other people, it's not the same as a one-on-one intimate relationship, but it is 100% what you need to do to feel that sense of integrity and like you're on that right track. So, John, I applaud you for um, doing all
doing all the right things, I want you to keep me posted. You can always email me at carolthecoach at AOL.com. And thanks so much for your email. Now, I'm excited because we're going to be interviewing a a woman who helped to co-author an incredible book. Um, If you are a partner of a sex addict or if you're a sex addict and you want to understand more about your partner, she is absolutely the woman you want to listen to tonight. Um, She's very, very uh, astute in the field of helping partners of sex addicts, and she helped to to write from heartbreak to healing, helping partners of sex addicts. Um, and she's just uh, an amazing person. She's a fellow CSAD, and she supervises CSADs. Her name is Mari Lee, and so I want to welcome her to the show. Mari, thanks for for being a part of the show tonight. Hi, Carol. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, to be here talking with you this evening. Well, yes, and I, you know, I know that you really understand how sexual addiction seems to be at an all-time high, and people who suffer from the addiction and who love people that have the addiction are really wondering what they can do to get help. And so, tell me a little bit about. What made you co-author Facing Heartbreak, Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts, which is, well, by I would, the way, available yeah. on Amazon. Yes, it is. Thank you so much, Carol. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, I first got into this work, uh, not by intention, if you would have let me know. I'm, I'm 50 years old, but if you would have told me 20 years ago that I'd, I'd be working with sex addicts and their partners, I would have thought that was crazy talk. But uh, I came into this work by way of my own personal experience. I was in graduate school and working on my thesis, trying to figure out what the topic would be, and uh, found at that time my partner at that time was uh, profoundly addicted to Internet pornography. And so that really led into a journey, a personal journey, that evolved into my specialization as a psychotherapist. So when I work with sex addicts and partners, I have, of course, my, my clinical hat on, but I also understand that heartbreak and that trauma and the betrayal as a former partner of a sex addict and what that really looks like from the inside out. So that's how I first got into this work, and originally I thought, well, I just want to work with the partners of sex addicts, but then quickly developed a compassion for these individuals who are really struggling in their lives. They don't set out to destroy relationships, destroy their own lives, or, um, you know, be a person who's deceptive or betraying their partner. And from there I realized that I was um, very interested in working with sex addicts and helping them um, on their journey toward healing. So you've actually been doing this work for 25-plus years? No, no, no. I've been uh, doing this work, uh, specifically this work, for seven years. But first um, was introduced to um, the concept of sex addiction. I had no idea that that, you know, what that even was about 20 years ago. Okay. And so you thought you would be probably affiliated more with partners, but you understood, and when meeting with the addict, him or herself, you saw that they didn't mean to destroy lives, that they actually were caught up in something that felt so compulsive they didn't know how to get out of it, and you had compassion for them. 
That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well put, Carol. When we talk about sex addiction, when I work with partners and sex addicts, I I help them understand that, um, you know, this is a really complex addiction. It's different from other addictions uh, in that, you know, the partner of a sex addict, well, for instance, if a person is married or partnered up with somebody who's an alcoholic, there's profound betrayal and hurt and woundedness there, but a bottle of vodka doesn't have um, sexual organs. So it feels like a much more um, complex and a deeper wound for partners. And there's a level of shame that addicts deal with, this compartmentalized life that we know as clinicians, where it's very hard for the insides and outsides to match. So a lot of that is trauma from early family of origin issues and and helping them um, move into a place where they can uh, live authentically in a healthy way and have a new relationship with sex. Sex addiction really isn't about sex. It's about soothing. And so we want to go to the roots of the fruit, the fruit being the acting out behavior. Let's look at the roots and, and what created that. Yeah, and I know for partners of sex addicts, they think it's all about sex and attraction, yeah. and they don't yeah. know initially that it probably does have to do with reenactment trauma or or wounded childhoods. And so... You work with not only the addict, but the partner. Do you work with them as a couple? Well, it depends. Uh, I I try and refer out. I I prefer to have really clean boundaries around that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if I'm seeing the partner, I prefer just to work with um, him or her, the partner or spouse, and then refer their addicted mate out to their own therapist. If I work with the sex addict, then I prefer to refer the partner out to their own therapist. And then eventually I'll come around and do couples check-ins with them. But eventually I want them to have their own couples therapist as well. And I, I know that sounds like an awful lot of therapy, but it's it's the best way um, I've found to really put some scaffolding underneath that wounded couple. Well, yes, and obviously this is a couple as well as individuals that don't understand boundaries. And so what I hear you Mm -hmm. saying is that the boundaries really help everybody maximize the assistance they get with therapy. That's right. That's exactly right. So we want to look at, um, you know, we know that sex addiction, Carol, is an intimacy disorder. So many of these individuals confuse intensity with intimacy, And we know that's a neurological response, and I won't get into all of that here, but it's very very complex. So they don't understand what it is to be vulnerable and intimate with someone. That's very scary for a lot of people dealing with sexual addiction. So bringing a therapist in, for instance, if a therapist is working with the addict and the partner and the couple, now we're sort of reenacting intensity with that individual So modeling really good boundaries and making sure each person has their own individual support and then couple support um, is is another way of of supporting safety as they're going through their recovery process. Well, and safety is so important because more often than not, they haven't had a lot of safety in their own life. So you really want the clinician to be able to offer that to them. And so I understand, you're right, I'm sure to anybody listening, they go, oh, my gosh, that means we need at least three therapists in our family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that Mm -hmm. really maximizes the therapeutic benefits. That's right. And the thing to consider in the beginning is um, 
that even though that can, especially for folks that have not been in therapy or counseling before, it can feel very overwhelming. But it really is the best way of doing this work. Get in so that you have your own safe space to be able to, to for partners to heal and um, and for the addict to have his own or her own safe space to heal and grow and build insight and then move into um, couples work. So, you know, couples work may, may happen three months into the work. It may happen six months into the work. But we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Uh, so each person needs to have their own individual therapist in the beginning, and, and it is important. Oh, absolutely. Now, help me to understand how you decided to become a CSAT, because obviously for anybody listening, a CSAT is a certified sexual addictions therapist. Did you ever consider doing this work without getting the certification? No, I, no, I did not uh, consider doing this work for a couple of reasons, Carolyn. I think that's such an excellent question. You know, for, for um, the general population, you know, letters behind a therapist's name it can be really confusing and doesn't mean much. But when we see that CSAT, that CSAT certification behind a psychotherapist or psychologist's name, that individual can have the confidence in knowing that that therapist went through a very rigorous process of getting trained in this work. Um, so outside of graduate school and then all of the clinical hours that we psychotherapists have to build and then the licensing process, in order to be a CSAT, you have to go through about another year or two of certification training where you're supervised and it's you're learning the really specific um, areas of how to treat individuals that deal with sex addiction. So uh, we see people, unfortunately, you know, go ahead and hang a shingle, you know, and, and open up a practice and say that, oh, yeah, I work with sex addicts because it's sort of the the media buzz right now around sex addiction. But those of us that have been doing this work far before Tiger Woods and, and others hit the scene and it became sort of this popular buzzword, we know the requirements of doing this work. So just like I wouldn't go, if I was having back pain, I wouldn't go and see a podiatrist, right? I would go and see a chiropractor. And then if the chiropractor was saying, there, I think you need to go and see a spine doctor, I would go to that spine doctor because that's a specialist. And then I wouldn't allow the chiropractor to operate on me. We want to uh, make sure as therapists that we are not operating out of our scope of practice. And I don't know if you've experienced this, Carol, but with me, every so often, probably more often than not, unfortunately, I will have clients come in, sex addicts and, and partners, sharing um, terrible stories of being um, in, in the wrong hands with, with, you know, not working with a CSAT. So I do think it's very important when we're seeing a specialist that we understand why they call themselves a specialist. Absolutely. And then you have an LMFT next to your name. So tell me a little bit about that license and um, what that's all about. Sure. So uh, I'm in California, Glendora, California. And in the state of California, each state has a licensing board, of course. But in my uh, state that I'm licensed in, um, the uh, the title of, of my license is Licensed right, marriage and family therapist. Um, the other uh, terminology that you've heard me refer to is psychotherapist. 
but the license is licensed marriage and family therapist. So any um, client who's looking for counseling, they want to make sure to ask the right questions about um you know, they want to do their homework. You know, are you a licensed professional? If so, what is your license in? Uh, how about do you believe that sex addiction exists? Are you certified to treat sex addicts and their partners? Where were you certified? So you really want it's okay to ask really specific questions, and you want to be able to know um, as you're building rapport and trust with a therapist that they will openly um, answer with 100% transparency, any questions like that about their license? Mm -hmm. So that is a good question to ask if you're looking for a therapist. Not only find out if they're a CSAT, but find out if they're licensed. Because obviously Mm -hmm. you can't be a CSAT unless you're licensed. That's one of the the beautiful Mm -hmm. things about that CSAT process is they check all that out for you. If they're claiming to be a CSAT, then they have gone through some rigorous training as well as scrutiny to make sure that everything is on board, including malpractice insurance and all all sorts of things. Oh, yes, they do a very rigorous screening there. And, And you want to ask that therapist, even if they are licensed and they're certified, what majority of clients do they treat that are sex addicts and partners of sex addicts? You want to know that this clinician has a specific recovery program before you're spending, you as a client are spending your hard-earned money, your precious time, and opening up your heart and your lives, um, you know, and inviting that person in to, to work with you. Yeah. Well, you have done so much. Obviously, you supervise CSATs and you wrote this book, and it's an amazing book, Facing Heartbreak. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so so how did you get interested in writing a book for partners of sex addicts? Well, you know, part of the interest, of course, comes from my own personal journey, and then just that personal journey, I call it the gift in the wound. Um, you know, uh, the gift in my wound was I, I now have a, a, a a career that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about working with sex addicts and their partners. And I've always loved to write. Writing has been something I've done. It was um, part of my first career. In fact, most of, uh, most of my early years as a professional was, were spent in some capacity or the other writing. So I always had a sense that I would publish a book one day. And then just sort of that perfect, you know, the stars aligned and the right a dream team came along. Uh, Stephanie Carnes, who, of course, is Dr. Patrick Carnes' daughter and just, you know, a force to be reckoned with on her own in our community of clinicians. And then um, Anthony Rodriguez, who he and I actually went through the certification program together and uh, developed a lovely um, friendship and rapport and respect for each other's work. Um, it was a really nice blend of voices. And, and Stephanie, I wanted to make sure that we brought in a male voice into this process as well. So um, one thing that was very important in writing um, Facing Heartbreak for all of us was we wanted to make sure that this book was not just focused um, for women, uh, female partners of sex addicts. We wanted to make sure that it was gender-neutral and orientation neutral. So this book is written for both male and female partners of sex addicts as well as uh, straight and gay partners of sex addicts. 
Well, that's fantastic. And again, I'm speaking with Mari A. Lee, and she has co-authored Facing Heartbreak, Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts with Stephanie Carnes and Anthony Rodriguez. And, you know, you have been so recognized nationally for the work that you've done with addicts and, and with their partners. And and this book really helps partners to work through not only their feelings of shock, betrayal, fear, anger, and trauma, but there are exercises in this book that help people to get healthier. And so I was wondering if you could share one of the exercises in the book. Oh, I'd be very happy to. Well, let me let me think about that. Um, there are a few that I really love, but I think the one that I like the most um, that I that I've heard the most feedback from is um, anger in the driver's seat. So the way that I describe this um, exercise is oftentimes partners come in and they're they're confused, they're traumatized, they're in a state of betrayal, and they're angry for for good reason. And they don't know what to do with that anger. And as they move through their recovery process, they experience triggers, just like a sex addict experienced triggers to act out. With a sex addiction, partners experience trauma triggers. And sometimes um, those triggers come out in raging out at the addict. Uh, there's blaming, there's shaming that goes on, and really what we're looking at is we're looking at a PTSD, a post-traumatic stress response from the partner. They don't know how to regulate that pain. They're nowhere near building up trust. It's a long process. So in learning, one of the chapters discusses how to express these really challenging emotions um, in an appropriate way, in a non-aggressive but very assertive way, how to assert boundaries, how to express the anger, and how to recognize it. So anger might be the driving um, emotion in the driver's seat, but really oftentimes what's whispering in anger's ear are the backseat drivers. So we might have humiliation, shame, confusion, fear. So helping the partners begin to do a little deep diving and recognize that what's underneath and what's informing their anger reaction uh, helps them regulate and better understand, and it empowers them. It helps them feel more in control. So that's probably one of my most favorite exercises, but there are there are. You know, I, I must say there are many, many helpful tools for that partner to build a toolbox. So obviously, you said it that exercise itself helps them to dig deep. And the number one thing they're digging deep for is well, the number one thing that they're digging deep for is to have. Uh, so many times, partners will say to me, "Why didn't I see this coming?" Or "Was what is it about me?" You know, aren't I enough for him? You know, the sexual energy that's due our relationship has now been spread out all over the place through pornography or prostitution or whatever the, the acting out behavior is. And I don't understand how did I not see this coming and helping them, you know, dive underneath that anger and start healing um, some of those wounds helps them start looking at early roots to their own pain. It doesn't have to be all about the addict. They deserve an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to stop and pause, and I don't have to live in the past, but the past does live in me. 
And it really informs a lot of my choices until I take a moment, take a beat, take a season, and give myself the gift of healing. And oftentimes, um, as they begin to put their focus back on themselves, their self-worth increases, trauma reduces, the anger begins to be replaced with insight. Um, It's really a beautiful, beautiful process, Carol. Yes, and, you know, I know that I've had three people use your book just in the last month, and they said, all of them in no uncertain terms, oh, my gosh, these people wrote as if they were in my head. They know exactly Mm -hmm. how I feel, and they know the work Mm -hmm. I need to do. So there is some predictability. You know, I oftentimes say the partners appear to be more traumatized than the actual addicts. They're yes. the ones that end up feeling like if they had been different, things would have been better. And so that's, that's right. exactly what you're addressing right now with that exercise, anger in the driver's seat. That's right. Yeah, we want to look again at, at um, taking the, you know, really addressing that internal dialogue, am I not good enough? And it's sad, you know, Carol, when we see partners that come in that are considering plastic surgery or crash diets, or any number of really extreme measures to try, or even have participated in the sex acts or pornography as a way of feeling like somehow this will add value to their sexual self-worth or just their their self their their value as a, a mate, and helping these individuals um, reframe that uh, and develop a, a really healthy relationship with their sexuality. It's it's important because these are shattered people that are coming in. Well, and again, you really understand because of your own personal experience and your years and years and years of working with this. I mean, clearly, not only did you get your CSAP, but you had to get enough experience under your belt to decide that you were going to go for the process of supervising CSATs and helping other mm-hmm. clinicians um, fine-tune the skill of working with sex addicts and their partners. So for anybody who's interested, uh, her website is www.marleytherapy.com or you can contact Marie at um, 818-521-4370 or email her at MarleyTherapy at yahoo.com, and that is M A R I L E E T H E R A P Y at yahoo.com. You have a beautiful website, I might add. It's just oh, really Carol, well you. done. Yeah, a lot thank of resources. You. Um, mm-hmm. you can see that your entire uh, clinical practice is to assist people in seeking support and resources to make them feel better and to work through the process. So, I, you know, I can't commend you enough for doing that. Now, when you wrote this book, you said it was so Thank important you. to have a male because you wanted it to be gender neutral. And mm-hmm. my experience with men who are partners of sex addicts is they feel less comfortable expressing any feeling besides anger And they oftentimes feel immobilized as to what to do because they can't believe this is happening to them. Yes, yes. 
the wound, it's, uh, the root feelings are the same, the betrayal, the anger, the confusion, the fear. There's a different level of shame um, that I see with men because we have to remember that, of course, you know, men and women are socialized differently in this country, right? For men who, um, you know, from so we have words like playboy and stud and, uh, you know, that kind of thing uh, that we hear describing men who, you know, have multiple sexual partners or are, you know, highly sexual. But for women, we have very different terminology, right? And we know what those words are that are applied to women. So the two most um, the two most shame-ridden um, groups of or, or clients that I work with are the male partner of a female sex addict and the... Um, and the uh what was I gonna say? And the oh and the female sex addict. So because the female sex addict feels like I can't let anybody know that this is what I'm dealing with. I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm considered, you know, um I don't want to offend your listeners, but you know, a slut or a hoe or some of these things that we hear in the mm-hmm. in, in society, in the media, and of course you know, the man um, is a stud. And for male partners of female sex addicts, their shame is, I can't tell anybody about this because everyone's going to judge me. They're going to think that I'm not man enough to keep my wife satisfied. And again, it's not about sex. It's about soothing. So there's a lot of trauma. And yes, you're right, Carol, a lot of rage coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, As a therapist who's had years of experience in this field, what would you say a key piece of advice would be that you would give to a partner of a sex addict who may be listening to this show right now? Oh, gosh. Well, the very first thing I would say is you're not to blame. You're just not to blame for um, your current or your former partner's addiction. It doesn't matter how angry or sweet or young or old or heavy or thin or beautiful or plain or successful, rich or poor, you didn't cause this and you can't control it. And so um, out of that, I would say try your best not to personalize those destructive choices that your sexually addicted partner or spouse has made. And I would really encourage them to seek their own um, healing to, to give themselves the gift of putting the focus back on themselves, to step away from the snooping and all of these behaviors that we see in partners, these trauma behaviors, right? These have been formally labeled as codependent, but we know now that these are traumatic responses um, to the, the, the process of deception and being betrayed. So whether they decide to stay in the relationship or leave the relationship, it's so important their own recovery, and really until recently, we didn't have resources and support for partners, and that's growing, you know, and I, that's that's my advice, really seek out their own therapy, and they deserve that gift. Well, absolutely. Now, do you have some future books or projects um, in the works? I do. I do, Carol. Thank you for asking. Yes, I have a couple of things. Um, But the thing that I'm most excited about is a book um, that I'm writing individually, and it's called The Gift in the Wound, Stories of Resilience and Courage. And I'm really excited about um, The Gift in the Wound. It's a little Mari-ism that I often share, and it's an exercise that I developed years ago 
um, with partners, helping them try and look at some of the gifts in this wound, um, one of the things, of course, being their own healing process. Uh, but it's just filled with inspiring true life stories of individuals, um, you know, clients who have forged ahead in spite of very great odds. And um, I'm just very proud of their journeys. They've managed to weave together um, lives that surpass anything they could have imagined. And um, and all of that, you know, in being partners of sex addicts. So, uh, yeah, so that's the gift in the wound, stories of resilience and courage. Oh, and when is that going to be out? Well, I'm hoping it'll be out sometime at the beginning of 2014, but I'm doing an awful lot of workshops coming up this fall. So some point, I'm going to say within the next year, but it's uh, it's a work in progress. Well, you know, we have a lot of clinicians who also listen to the show, so tell us a little bit about the workshops you're doing and where and where will you be and when will they be? Great. Well, I, I conduct these workshops. I do a lot of trainings for individuals. In fact, just got done with a training up in Northern California for a group of um, marriage and uh, family therapists here in California and did a whole training on how to work uh, with partners of sex addicts because we know, Carol, it is a complex work and you really need to know what you're doing in that work. And so I have that workshop that I've been doing, and that is happening in Glendora this fall, a date to be determined. It will be announced on my website. And I also have a page for professionals on my website where I offer a lot of really good information, um, uh, you know, e-books of exercises, um, e-workshop uh, kits, just all kinds of different things that they can take a look at in terms of resources. And then, um, yeah, my next workshop is actually uh, not for clinicians. It's going to be for couples, and that's coming up this this summer. Um, and it's a couples communication workshop. And, again, all of that information is on my website. So a lot of things going on, but um, I'm so pleased to know that you have um, – therapists that listen to this show, and I just encourage them, if they're interested in this work, to move forward, get the training, you know, get the training that they need to support these hurting individuals, and, um, you know, and uh, I I find the work to be extraordinarily rewarding. Well, and I might want to add that for clinicians, Gentle Path, which is a publishing company, has so many of these important um, publications, books uh, mm-hmm. available. And and there's a lot of stuff for uh, the partners and sex addicts on that website, too, and that is www.gentlepath.com. And for anybody who's looking for a CSAT, you know, obviously Mari's in um, California, but you can attend her workshops or you go to um, www.sexhelp.com, put in your state and your zip code, and it will come up with the people that are closest to you that have been clinically trained mm-hmm. in the specialty. Um, That's right. Mm-hmm. So this book has just been instrumental, and, and obviously mm-hmm. anytime people get to work on exercises and, and get to do their own personal self-growth, they're one step closer to developing a healthy sense of self-esteem and a healthy relationship. Um, I just want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing. This is one of the best partner books I've ever read, and mm-hmm. certainly... Thanks. 
has more exercises than I think any book that I know that's available to partners. Are there other books you might rec- recommend uh, the General Path publishes or, or elsewise that you think might be helpful for partners, besides, of course, Mending the Shattered Heart by Stephanie Carr? Oh, okay, yeah, I was going to uh, mention that. Well, I thank you. First of all, Carol, thank you so much for those um, very kind and supportive remarks. And our whole passion in writing this book is to support partners so that they feel like they have a safe place to go. If they can't get in to see a therapist, they have a resource that they can use every day to help them through this really challenging journey toward their own healing and recovery. But let's see. Um, Yeah, I really like, um, gosh, Maureen Canning. She has a book that's really fabulous. I think that's for uh, female sex addicts, though. For partners, there's not a whole bunch of stuff out there. Um, There's Mending a Shattered Heart. I love that. And, you know, nothing is coming to mind right off that I'm not trying to <laughs> do that no, deliberately that's okay, Mari, because I'm the author of this book. I just can't think of anything. Have you read the narrative, um, House Interrupted, which is I it, have, it's really yes. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's an excellent book that speaks to the rage that a partner can feel. Um, mm-hmm. when they're dealing with the betrayal that comes with sexual addiction and the work that a partner has to do to get help. Right, yes, yeah, so much rage and so much betrayal. And, you know, another book, um, even though we're, again, getting past that, you know, codependent label, another um, another book that I like a lot is by Melody Beatty, and that mm-hmm. is called uh, Codependent No More. And so mm-hmm. it just really speaks to some of the behaviors around uh, overcompensating. Um, you know, so oftentimes um, partners will feel like they have to overcompensate in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really think that Melody Beatty um, does a good job. Oh, another book that comes to mind that is excellent, My Partner's Love, is The Betrayal Bond, Breaking Free of Exploitive Relationships by Patrick mm. Carnes. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting, now things are starting to flow in. And one other that I really like a lot, Carol, is uh, After the Affair by uh-huh. Janice Abrams Spring and Michael Spring. Oh, so I would say wonderful. The Betrayal Bond. Oh, she's great. Yeah, The Betrayal Bond by Patrick Harnes and uh, After the Affair by um, Janice Abrams Spring is are, are two really good books that I will often, of course, and then Mending a Shattered Heart by Stephanie Carnes. I'll I'll often have my partners reading those in, you know, as an adjunct to facing heartbreak. Yeah, because this really is a long-term process in that mm-hmm. the pain doesn't go away in a month or two. It takes a while, and that is simultaneous with the growth that that person makes. So um, yeah. this is a, a difficult process, but certainly one that can be overcome. So, Again, I cannot thank you enough for your time and for having written this book. I can't wait to read your next one. And thank would you. you one more time uh, repeat your website so that sure. anybody who needs to get on there might look through that and see about your upcoming workshops? Oh, I'd be happy to, Carol. Thank you. Yes, it's www.marileetherapy.com, and I'll spell that. It's M as in Mary. A-R-I-L-E-E-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y. So Mari Lee Therapy, 
com, And the books that I just mentioned and so many other resources are under my resources on that page. So they can come in to the website. They can tool around, look around. And I think they're going to find a lot of things that validate and support and point them into a direction of healing. And, and that's that's the ultimate thing. And thank you, Carol, so much for providing a platform for our voices to be heard and um, to just encourage um, uh, and support partners and also people dealing with sex addiction and our fellow colleagues. I so appreciate it. Well, you're welcome and look forward to seeing you at the next conference. You take care. <laughs> I and... do too. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon, Carol. Be well. Bye-bye. Well, as you can see, this woman is just a wealth of knowledge and knows exactly um, how it feels to to experience the shame, the betrayal, the anger, the sadness, the loneliness and fear. Um, and as she talked about earlier, the fact that it is so typical for partners to um, want to overcompensate and to feel like if they do something differently, um, it will make the difference with their addict partner. And the thing that makes the biggest difference is taking care of yourself. So if you're a partner of an addict, you know, highly recommend that, again, you get this book, truly one of the best in the field, and it's called Facing Heartbreak, uh, Steps to Recovery for Partners of Sex Addicts. It's available at Amazon and also through Gentle Path uh, Publishing Company. And so if you're an addict listening to the show, I certainly hope that gave you some insight into how your partner felt and, you know, certainly the the men and women that I work with that are addicts so oftentimes are working on themselves, but they're really working on empathizing and validating their partner's pain and also their partner's growth. So we're going to be ending the show, and as I oftentimes say, at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Next week we have Jan Wolf, who's going to be talking about sexual addiction, another expert in the field. So I look forward to hanging out with you next week, same time, same place. And um, appreciate that you listen to us every Monday night at 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can always contact me at Carol the Coach at AOL.com, or you can go to my sex addiction workshop, uh, workshop website, and that is sexhelpwithcarolthecoach.com. And if you want my life coaching information, if you want to see what I look like, what TV uh, appearances I've done, a little, you want to hear some of my radio shows from uh, around the country, you can go to www.carolthecoach.com. You be well, and we'll see you next week. And uh, fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Have a great night. <laughs>